The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, well, we're in a series right now called Character Sketches, and we've been talking over the last several weeks about the character of some of the characters from Scripture, and it's really been fun. I, I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have. I've not only been enjoying sharing, but I've been enjoying getting to listen to guys like Ryan preach, and, and last week, Sarah. How about Sarah, right? Was that not awesome? Talked about David and, and how um, David, you know, didn't allow discouragement to, to he, he was in this dark place of discouragement, but how he moved past that. If you've missed any of these, these weeks of this series, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to it. You can listen to our messages at newsongpeople.com slash media. And, and I also want to say this, even if you have heard them, go back and listen to, again. I listened to Sarah's message on Sunday, and then I listened to it on Monday and Tuesday because there was so much in it, I needed to hear it more than once. And I needed to meditate on that word and let God speak uh, to me through it. So make sure you go back and listen to those, okay? So today I want to talk to you about one of the most famous people from the Bible, someone that not only Christians know about, but pretty much everybody knows about this guy. And I want to kind of reintroduce you to a part of his character that maybe you've never seen before, and that is this guy named Moses. Uh, we've all heard of Moses before, and Moses has a pretty amazing story. In fact, they made a movie about it called The Ten Commandments that they show on Easter for some reason. Uh, but man, I love that movie. I've been watching it since I was a little kid, and I can quote all sorts of lines from it. It's, it's awesome. But Moses' story, the reason that it's so famous is because it's so amazing. I mean, from being born a Hebrew, he was raised in an Egyptian palace, in Egyptian royalty. Then he was kind of thrown out because of some circumstances, and he was an outcast. And it was in that time of his life that God comes to him, and he's 80 years old at this time, and basically calls on him to lead the greatest jailbreak in human history, which is leading the Israelite people out of their Egyptian captivity and into freedom. And so it's a, it's a, it's a crazy, amazing story. We could look at all sorts of aspects of his life from how he wrote the Pentateuch, which is the first several books of the Bible, how he uh, was a type and shadow of Jesus who would come in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. There's a ton there, but what I wanna look at today is this aspect of his life that I think was critical to him being who it was that he was. And it's this, uh, he was a presence pursuer. Moses was passionate about being in the presence of God, about having the presence of God with him in everything that he did. He, he understood that the presence of God was critical to the people of Israel and to himself to have the kind of life that they were supposed to have, the kind of impact, the kind of influence that they needed to have. And listen, what was true for Moses and the children of Israel is true for us today. Uh, critical to us becoming the church that we're called to be. Critical to us becoming the people of God that we're called to be. Because you're called to be something in this world. And critical to that is you having the presence of God in your life. You being connected to God, walking with him in a very real way. You knowing God, which is what New Song Church is all about. Helping people know God. Okay, so if you have your Bible, I want you to open it up to Exodus chapter 30. Three. And as you turn there, um, I want to kind of set this up for you. Exodus 33, if you don't have a Bible, we have these giant digital Bibles up here that you can read along with me on. But in this story, okay, so let me, let me kind of set this up for you, okay? Moses and the children of Israel are out of Egypt. They have, you know, the ten plagues has happened. They've crossed the Red Sea. And now they are moving towards this land of promise that God has told them he's going to give them, the 
promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is blessings, flowing with good things. And they're not very far into this journey when God calls Moses up to this mountain called Mount Sinai, and he begins to, to give him some instructions for the, for the children of Israel. And this is where he gives him the Ten Commandments, instructions for how they are to live. And he begins to talk to him about this tabernacle that he is to build. The tabernacle will be the place where the presence of God resides within the encampment of the children of Israel. And there's all these rules and regulations that go along with this. So Moses is gone for a long time. A week goes by, two weeks goes by, three weeks goes by, a month goes by, 40 days goes by, and Moses is gone. And during this time, the children of Israel are just waiting for him. And they're kind of starting to get a little freaked out. They're worried. Maybe something's happened to him. Maybe he's died. Maybe something bad has happened and now we're in trouble. And so they do what any logical person would do. Uh, they, they create a golden calf and they begin to worship it in God's place. Right? I mean, that's what you do. when something, and It's crazy. And let me, may I remind you, these are, the, these are the people, this very people, this group of people are the people that were there for the ten plagues. They saw the water turn into blood. They saw the frogs. They saw... Every, all of the ten plagues, they were there. They experienced that. This group of people walked through the Red Sea. They saw God part this humongous body of water. They walked through it, and then it came crashing down on their enemies. They've experienced all that. And now in a moment of kind of fear, in a moment of uncertainty, they turn to a golden calf that they actually create out of blessings that God gave to them. The gold that they build this calf out of is gold that God put it on the heart of the Egyptians to give to the Israelites as they left. It's crazy. And, and so Moses is up with God and God tells him what's going on because God knows everything, right? So he says to Moses, hey, this is going on. And so Moses goes down and he, he, he comes on this scene of these people worshiping and doing all sorts of things they should not be doing. And he goes nuts on them. And he, you know, there's a civil war that breaks out and he straightens all this out. They end up drinking the golden calf, like all this crazy stuff happens. And so once he deals with all this, then he goes back to God. Because Moses played this role with the children of Israel of the mediator. He worked between a holy, perfect God and an unholy, imperfect people that kept on sinning, kept on messing up, and kept on griping about God throughout the process, okay? So, so this is where we're going to pick up here, Exodus 33. Moses is going before God, and God says this. Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to a land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. Verse 2. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Okay, so, so far, so good, right? They've messed up, but God says, I'm still going to give you the promised land. I'm going to send an angel with you, and we're gonna, I'm going to help you drive out the people that don't belong in this land that I've promised to you. Everything seems pretty good. But then verse 3 comes along. Go out to a land flowing with milk and honey, blessings. But look at this. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Now, stop right there. Here's what God just said. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to help you to attain the land. But I'm not going with you into the land. Basically, God's saying this. You can have the promise, but you're not going to have my presence. You can have the promise, but you cannot have the promiser. I'm not going with you into this land. Look at what Moses says, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, 
bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may, look at this, know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. So Moses comes back and he says, God, we, we don't want this without you. We want you in this. We, we don't, you, you've said I found grace in your sight. You've said that these are your people. We need you to go with us. Verse 14, God says this. And he, this is God talking, said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So God changes his tune. But look at what Moses does. Moses keeps pressing with God. Verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Here's what Moses is saying. God, we don't want the promised land without the promiser. We don't want the milk and the honey. We don't want all that stuff. If we don't have you, we're not taking another step because we need your presence with us in this. We cannot do this without you. See, Moses understood something that I think sometimes we as people can miss. It's, the goal in life is not the stuff. The goal in life is not the promise. The goal in life is God. It's God with us, the hope of glory. God is the goal. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, that's my first point. God is the goal. Moses wanted God's presence more than he wanted the promise of God. Because here's the deal. The promise without the presence of God is always gonna feel hollow and shallow. It's never going to be enough. What's important, what's what the main thing, if we're keeping the main thing, the main thing like we talk about, the main thing is knowing God. The main thing is having a real relationship with him, walking with him, knowing that he's with you as you go through this world. That's what's important. Now let me kind of illustrate to you, this to you this morning, okay? I have three kids. My oldest is eight. My youngest is two. And one of the things that I have discovered about being a parent, that if you're not a parent today, let me just kind of let you in on something that will be a part of your life once you become a parent, uh, and that is this. I've, I've come to know this very well. Part of having kids means that you are going to have to go to a birthday party just about every week of your life for the rest of your life. It's what you do when you're a parent. Many weekends are spent going to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese or a laser tag place or Build-A-Bear or or bounce house places, or whatever it may be, to celebrate the birth of some kid that's in my kid's life. And listen, I'm okay with that, that's fine, I, I don't mind this, um, but you know, it's a different world than when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid and your birthday rolled around, mom would go to like the grocery store and get you a cake that didn't look like the cakes we have today, right? And, and she'd get, you know, I'd have a couple balloons that had air in them, so they didn't float, they just kind of laid there. <laughs> And you'd get a present, and maybe a friend would come over. I, for some reason, it's, I have this vivid memory of a kid bringing me a brown paper bag with a present in it one year. So th this is birthdays when you're 19, you know, 83, and you're turning four. It's, it's what happened. But now we have Pinterest, and we have Instagram, and we have Facebook, and the game has changed, right? And so you see, if you're a mom, you see these other people that are doing these things for your, their kids, and you go, I love my kid as much as they do. Let's take the whole world to Disneyland, Right? And so it's a different world. And so here's, what, here's what's happened, though. My kids have discovered this. They understand that even though it's not their birthday party, there are things that will be to their benefit. It's not, the party's not for them, but there are things that will be there for them at the party. 
So like when we go to our kids and we're like, hey, it's, it's so-and-so's birthday party today. We're going to go. They start asking questions. Well, where's it going to be? Well, it's going to be here. And what, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do this. Because they understand it's not just like with us. Somebody said it was a birthday party. You're going to go and you're going to have a piece of cake and you're going to be happy about it. Yeah. It ain't that world anymore, okay? But my kids understand there's, there's benefits in it for them. There's going to be things that they're going to get to take home and they're going to get presents. And they're going to have fun. And I think half the time my kids don't even know whose birthday it is. They just know <laughs> that it's a party and they're going to have a good time. And so they're cool with that. Now, this, this changes as we mature, right? Uh, a few weeks ago, we, we celebrated my mom's birthday, beginning of July. And on the morning of her birthday, Sarah didn't have to come in to me and be like, hey, it's your mom's birthday, we're going to go to her party today, and here's what's in it for you. You need to have a good attitude and be nice. No, because it's my mom, right? And I love my mom, and I have a relationship with my mom. I'm close to my mom. I, I, I've, I've seen her sacrifice her life for me. She's, she gave me life. She's been there for me throughout the entirety of my life. I've, I have a real relationship with her. And so for me to celebrate her, to have a moment where I can come into her presence and say, Mom, you're, you're, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Here's gifts. Here's, here's, here's whatever I can give you because you're valuable to me. To do that for me, that's, that's easy because I love my mom. Now, here's why I say all this. Okay? In our relationship with God, we all enter into the relationship from a place of spiritual bankruptcy, right? We come to God, and it really, it's all about the benefits. Because we're, we're lost in sin. We're dead in Christ, the Bible says. That means we are dead. You're spiritually dead. And so we need to be resurrected by the blood of Jesus, and made, made free and made alive in Jesus Christ. We need that. And we need the blessings that come along and the benefits that come along. And listen, I'm not telling you that those benefits are bad. The Bible says forget not all the benefits. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about some of the benefits here in just a little bit. The benefits are good. But as we mature in our relationship with God, it's not just about the benefits. It's about the relationship. It's about the connection that we have with God. You see, we need God's wisdom. We need God's strength. I need these things. We need, we need his benefits. But more than anything, we need him. Because God is the goal. We need to be connected to him. And, and when we really have that connection, man, we want to celebrate him. We want to love him. We want to give him the very best we can because we're connected. We have a real relationship. Moses understood this. The promised land without the presence of the promiser was not a promised land at all. God is the goal, and he wanted God with them. Now, we're talking about the presence of God this morning, and maybe you're here today and you're going, I hear people talk about this all the time. But I really have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what do, what do you mean by the presence of God? Well, let me, let me kind of explain this to you. First of all, God is everywhere. His presence is always with us. Because the Bible says that God is omnipresent. In fact, the Bible says this, Psalms 139 verse 7. It says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is another word for hell, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's here right now. He's around us. He's, uh, he's in Istanbul right now. He's, he's on the moon. He's in the uttermost reaches of the galaxy. He is everywhere all the time because he is omnipresent. He is also, if you're a Christian, he is inside of you. The Bible says, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know you yourselves are the temple 
of God's spirit who lives in you. The spirit of God comes to, when we ask Jesus in our heart, he comes to live inside of us. The spirit of God comes to live inside of us. He tabernacles within his people. He comes to live in us. So God is, is all around us. God is inside of us. But are we aware of his presence? Do, do you, are you aware that he's with you? Is that something that you experience in your life? Are you impacted with him, by him? Are you, are you connected with him? Do you experience that in your life? Do you feel a connection with, with God? Now understand this, we're not solely moved by what we feel. As Christians, we walk by faith. It's not just about your feelings, it's not about emotions, that's not what I'm getting at today. But there are times when we do have experiences with God, where we have moments where he manifests himself in a real way, where we know that he's there, that he, he shows up in a very real tangible way in our life. John 14 verse 21 says this, he who has my commandments, this is God's word, and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now that word manifest is the Greek word emphodnizo, and it means to exhibit, to view, to come into view, to appear, to make known. So there are times in our life where God uh, will really show up in an experiential way and we, we will sense the presence of God and we will actually have an encounter with him and with his love where, he, where we know he's there. Now again, we walk by faith. We don't, when we don't experience it, it doesn't mean it's not there, but there are these times that we do experience it in a real way, but God shows up when we really need it. And the point of this is not an emotional experience. The point of this is connection. The point of this is God drawing us closer to him so that we can do what it is he's called us to do. You know, most of the time, I've had many occasions where I've been in the presence of God. I've sensed the presence of God. Uh, Every weekend, I sense the presence of God. But I've had other times when it's been very, very strong. And most of the times when I've had these really strong encounters with God, it's because I desperately needed it desperately needed God to show up in a very real, tangible way and for me to know that he was leading me and directing me and guiding me and the steps he was asking me to do, which sometimes were big steps of faith, that he was in the middle of that with me. God wants to do that in your life. Now you say, okay, Josh, so what does that look like? Like, what, what, how, do I, how do I know? Well, honestly, it's kind of hard for me to explain that to you because God shows up, his presence shows up in varying ways and in a kind of varying degrees in our life. When the Bible talks about the presence of God and the spirit of God, it uses analogies like fire and like wine and like oil and like wind. And when you think about those things, all of those things, they're, they're experienced in a lot of different ways. For example, take wind. Okay, Wind can be experienced a lot of different ways. Wind can be a, a really light breeze that you feel on a hot day. Wind can be what we experience here living in Oklahoma, you know, where the wind will almost knock you over. Wind can be what we have in the spring when there's tornadoes that begin to appear. It's all wind, but it's experienced in different ways. Fire's the same way. You can have a little candle that's just barely a little, little birthday candle, whatever that may be. You can have a fire you're roasting marshmallows on. You can have an inferno that's burning down a house. Same thing experienced in varying ways. Oil, same way. You can anoint somebody's head with a dab of oil or if you pour oil over them, it's a completely different experience. And wine, you can taste wine and you just kind of get a taste for it or you can take it in with a lot more you know, gumption and you're gonna experience something, right? 
But, so here's what I'm getting at. I can't tell you exactly how you're gonna experience it, but this I can tell you today. You're not going to experience it at all if you're not pursuing it, if you're not going after it. Here's my next point. God shows up where he's invited. And if we wanna experience the presence of God, we have to invite God to show up on the scene. We have to make room for him. Now, look at what goes on here. This is so Moses has, has asked God to show up. God says he's going to. And then God, Moses kind of keeps pushing. He says, if you don't show up, we don't want to take another step. Uh, how will people know that we're your children if you're not with us? And God says this in verse 17. I love this. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing you have spoken, meaning that his presence is going to go with them into this promised land. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I love how quickly God changes his tune here. He goes from, I'm not going with you, to, all right, Moses, you want me, you got me. And I love that, because here's what that shows me. God wants to be wanted. God wants to be wanted in our life. A.W. Tozer, who's a famous preacher from the turn of the century, said this. He said, there will be no manifestation of the presence of Christ without acute desire. God waits to be wanted. Sadly, he often must wait so very long. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, behold, this is God talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Listen, God wants to be in your life. He desperately wants to be in your life. He, he, man, he wants to be with you. And my question for you this morning, part of my question for you is, are you inviting him in? If you really look at your life today, what about your life says, man, God, you're welcomed in my life? Are, are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you worshiping God? Besides what you do here on a Sunday morning, does the rest of your life, is it an open invitation that says, God, come on, every, you're, you're welcome everywhere. You're welcome in my life. I invite you in. Because listen, if we don't invite him, he ain't showing up. And, and, and I want to make a statement. This is a strong statement, but I want you to get this. If, we, if, we're not, if God's not in this with us, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're wasting our time. And we're wasting our life. If God's not in this, you know what the definition of religion is? Here's the definition of religion. Religion is doing a God thing without God. And let me tell you, there's a lot of churches this morning in this city in this state, in this country that are doing a God thing and God ain't in it. And my question is, what are we doing? All we have to do is invite God into this. He wants to come. I have an analogy I use with our team here a lot when I talk about our purpose and our plan as a church. I, I, I tell everyone, we, we look at the church like a banquet table, all right? And we wanna, we wanna make room for everybody to have a place and so we work really hard as a church to be organized and to do stuff with excellence and to, to make an open invitation so that all of you can come and sit at this table and dine. But I want you to understand something. The most important seat at the table is for the guest of honor. And the guest of honor at New Song Church is Jesus Christ. Because only he can come and make a difference in your life. He shows up where he is invited. And he and he alone can free you from sin. He and he alone can rebuild marriages. He and he alone can bring real peace and real joy and real fulfillment to people's lives. He and he alone can do these things. I could stand up here and preach for 20 years and it will not mean what one minute in the presence of God can mean to your life. If God isn't here, 
I don't want to be here. And so we work hard to make room for the presence of God in this church, to invite him here and sing songs that say, you're welcome, come flood this place, show up here, we need you, we invite you, we welcome you. That's our heart. We want God to show up and God shows up where he is invited. Now, look at what happens next. Moses, so he just made this big request to God. He kind of went back at God and said, okay, God, we, we want you with us. And God says he's gonna go. So now Moses, I think, feels like, I'm on a roll, man. I'm gonna keep going. So verse 18, he says this, please show me your glory. Now, this is Moses, okay? Moses has, has seen God show up in his life in a lot of different ways, right? The burning bush, the leading him. He's been, I mean, he's been on a mountain that was shaking and trumpets blaring and all this stuff with God for the last 40 days. And yet he comes back to God in this moment and he says, God, I know there's more. I know I haven't seen it all. I know there's more to you that I haven't seen and that's what I want. See, Moses is satisfied with what God's given him and yet he's not satisfied because he knows there's more. And that's where we need to be as a church. Yes, we're satisfied. Yes, thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. But God, we know there's more and we're gonna continue to pursue you all the days of our life. We will never fully grasp who God is and what he does and how much he loves us. We never will. But I love that attitude of Moses. It says, I'm gonna keep pursuing you. And look at how God responds to this attitude. Verse 19, then God said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now notice, verse 18, Moses says, uh, I, wanna, I want you to show me your glory. And God says, I'm gonna show you my goodness. See, here's, here's the thing. God, Moses is saying, I want your presence. I wanna see more of you. I wanna know you in a greater way. And God says, when you do, what you'll find is my goodness. Because in the presence of God is the goodness of God. The presence of God is ripe with the goodness of God. When we have God's presence in our life, man, there are good things in store for you. I wanna give you five things real quick that talk about the presence of God and, and what the benefits to the presence of God. First one is this, in the presence of God is strength. In the presence of God is strength. Verse 14, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you. Now the literal translation of that is that my face will go with you. In the original Hebrew, it says my face will go with you. Now when I was, a, uh, actually not when I was a kid, but I have a niece who's 16 years old, and when she was a little baby, um, you would be giving her a bottle. And so you'd be holding her in your hand and giving her her little bottle, and she wanted you to look at her the whole time you were giving her this bottle. And so you'd be giving her the bottle, and let's say, you know, something's on TV, you start looking up at the TV, or somebody starts talking to you. Uh, she would reach up with her little hands, and she would grab your face, and she would pull your face back to her, because she wanted you to be present with her in the moment. And she knew if she had your face, she had your attention, she had your presence. Now, God says, I'm gonna give you my face, meaning I'm gonna give you my attention. I'm gonna focus my attention on you. Second Chronicles 16, verse nine says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord, where are the eyes? They're on the face, right? Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Here's what I want you to see in this. When, we have the, when you have the face, you have the eyes. And when you have the eyes of God, you have the presence of God. You have the strength of God. And the presence of God is strength. When we get God's attention, we get his presence, we get his strength. And God's presence is strength. And God's presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Notice it doesn't say is, is fullness of happiness. It says it's fullness of joy because, listen, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Uh, joy is, is based on relationship. 
God wants to have a relationship with you. And in that relationship is joy. And the Bible also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God wants you to be full of his joy, full of his strength. And you find that in the presence of God. And the the presence of God is, is rest. Exodus 33, 14, God said this to Moses. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but in my life, what I've noticed is when I'm having a hard time with rest, it's because I'm, I'm focusing on the wrong stuff. My attention is being grabbed by a lot of different things. We're in the presence of God. When we make God big, you know, one of the things we say sometimes in worship is we say we magnify you. What do you do when you magnify something? You make it bigger. You go in closer to it. And when you magnify something, you can't see everything else. You're, you're focused in on that thing that you've drawn close to your eyes. When we, when we pursue the presence of God, we make him big in our life, all the other stuff in the world fades away. And we find rest in the presence of God. In the presence of God are secrets. Psalms 31 verse 19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up on those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall, look at this, hide them, hide what? Hide your goodness in the secret place of your presence. From the plots of man, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. God has things hidden for you today, not hidden from you, they're hidden for you. He's got goodness that is hidden for you in his presence. And when you, you step into this relationship with him where you're connected with him, where he's walking with you daily, not just here at church every once in a while, but daily, you find this secret goodness that God has stored up for you. And the presence of God is secrets. And the presence of God is help. Psalms 40, you might recognize this verse as I read it. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. In other words, I didn't move without God. I waited for him. And he inclined and he heard my cry. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He put a new song. Everybody say new song. New song. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it. They'll see what? The new song. And fear and will trust in the Lord. I'll never remember, I'll never, I'm sorry, I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget driving down the road, going from Texas to Oklahoma. And I was, I was in my car by myself. I was worshiping God, just kind of praising God, listening to messages. Just kind of made this, this place, this place where I was tabernacling with God. And the presence of God was in this car with me. And I was praying and I, and I asked something of God that I'd asked him many times. And I'd never gotten an answer until this day. I said, God, what's the name of the church that you've called me to pastor? And he said, New Song. And then he said, Psalms 40. And I remembered this verse. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He set my feet upon the rock. He gave me a new song. Many will see what the Lord has done. They will put their trust in him. And this is what this church was built on. We're all in a mess. And we need Jesus and we call upon him, and he comes to our rescue. And his presence walks with us, and he puts a new song in our mouth. It changes our life. There's a change that takes place, and people see it. And they come to see it, and the new song that's in our hearts becomes the new song in their hearts. That's what this church is all about. God wants to help you. And in the presence of God is help. When we wait patiently for the Lord, he hears our cry and brings us the help that we need. I want you to know something today. This is my third point. God wants to, to be with you. 
God wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you, in fact, more than you want to be with him. I think sometimes we think like this presence of God idea, this concept is like, man, we got to really, I got to figure out a way to kind of get myself to this place where God will show up in my life. I want you to know something. God wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. I know this because of the cross, because sometimes we think of the cross and we think of, we think of sin, right? And how Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. But you know why he had to die on the cross for our sins? Because our sin separated us from God. We could no longer be in the presence of God because of sin. And so Jesus came and he died. God gave the ultimate gift. Jesus gave his life because he wanted you. He wanted to be with you. He wanted to connect you with his father. It's the ultimate gift, the ultimate gift of love. And it's about connection. You see, God, Jesus was really, he was a greater Moses in our life. Like a greater Moses, he came to free us from slavery, from the slavery of sin. Like a greater Moses, he, he, played the medi- he plays the mediator between us and, and God and helps bring us to a place where we can be holy and into the presence of God. Like, like a better Moses, he intercedes on our behalf. Like a better Moses, he leads us to a land of promise. He's got good things for us. God, Jesus came to connect us with God. And what we see in Moses is this, this picture of what of a greater Jesus that would someday come. See, Moses built a tabernacle, and in this tabernacle, certain people could come and they could be in the presence of God. But Jesus came and he did a greater work. He made me and you the tabernacle so that we can always pull from this gift of God that lives inside of us. The presence of God is there for the taking. We can have it. So how do we get it? Real quick, I'm gonna give you three things that help you to walk in the presence of God in your life. Number one, we get it through praise and worship. Band, I'm gonna invite you guys to come up at this time. Psalms 22, verse three says this. It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, God dwells in the atmosphere where his praise is being made. This means that, that praise is more than just a reaction to God. It's, it's actually a vehicle through which we can get into the presence of God. Psalms 100 verse four says, we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and with praise, enter his courts, be thankful unto him and bless his name. According to that verse, our praise and our worship, that time we worship God, that's a gate pass for us that gets us into the presence of God, that connects us with God in a real way. And one of the great ways we do this is in corporate worship. When we come together as a church, when we come together, like what we're gonna do tonight at our worship night, we, we put ourselves in a position where God can come among us. One of the greatest promises in scripture is Matthew 18, verse 20, where it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. In my name means for the cause of Jesus Christ. Coming together to, to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Where two or more are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. I read this verse this week, and I, I, when I read it, God just said, study, there, I, there am I. And I went back and I looked up what there am I means. There am I means to be present. It means to be manifested. That when we gather together in the presence of each other and we stir up the gift of God that he's placed inside of us, that God begins to manifest himself to us. He begins to come into view. He begins to be seen and felt and experienced. So when we worship together, 
It's powerful. But listen, it doesn't just have to be here at church. It could be in your car. It could be in your closet at home. It can be anywhere. You can stir up the gift of God inside you and experience the presence of God. Number two, we pursue God's presence when we read the word. By getting into God's word, you are entering into his presence. God is his word. You need to understand that. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God and his word are inseparable. And God's word is God's will. And as we study the word, you can't, you can't study the word of God. You can't read scripture and it not affect you, and it not change you, and it not do something to you. You can't read the word of God and really study it and not experience the voice of God and the presence of God ministering to you. So we enter into that presence. We got to know what the word of God says. We got to study. We got to get it down deep inside of our, our hearts and in our minds. And number three, another way we experience God is through prayer. When I say prayer, I'm not saying now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about real prayer. Prayer is communion. It's communication. It's not a one-way ticket, one-way street. It's, 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 it's talking to God and it's God talking back. It's hearing his voice. It's him communicating with you. This is the presence of God, guys. When you're in someone's presence, you can talk with them, and they talk back, right? Yeah, that's what God wants to have in your life. It's not just throwing out these prayers and hoping for the best. It's praying and allowing God to come back and speak to you. Listen, God wants to be with you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to speak to you today. He wants it more than you do. God is the goal, my friends. God shows up where he's invited. Are you inviting him today? Are we inviting him as a church? You know, when you come in here and you worship with us and you raise up your hands when you don't feel like it and you sing those songs, you're inviting Jesus to show up. And it's not just for you, it's for everybody. And the more involved we are, the more we all pick up the slack and do it, whether we feel it or not, we encounter God and we connect with God. Uh, in God's presence is God's power is his goodness, his strength, his joy, his rest, his secrets, his help is all found in the presence of God. God wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. This is not a pursuit of an emotion. It's a pursuit of a connection, a connection with God. Yesterday, uh, I walked into my bedroom about bedtime and uh, on our bed was a little note that my son had wrote and it said, it said, to the best mom and dad ever. And then it says, look at back. I turned it over and it says this. It says, I can't stop remembering all of the nice things you have done for me. Love, Gus. And you can see even now as I read it, it touches my heart. Me and Sarah found this little note and we just, we just got it like this. <laughs> But you know what we did? We moved. And we went and we found this boy that wrote the snow. And we went to him and we said, buddy, thank you. We love you. We gave him hugs. We told him how much that ministered to us. And God showed me something in this. When we worship God, when we, when, we, when we go to him and we praise him and we remember the goodness, we forget not all the benefits that he's given to us. We write a love note to him. God loves you more than I love my son, as hard as it is for me to imagine that. When we do that, God moves to you. And he embraces you and he loves you. And he connects with you in a real way. I remember when we went in to see Gus, a little smile covered his face because he knew he ministered to us and it ministered to him for us to come and let him know how much it meant to us. When we worship God, God smiles at you. He connects with you. 
presence of God is amazing, my friends. It's something that we can have every day, every moment, everywhere. You have it, and you can experience it in your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Lord, we thank you for your sweet presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us in every moment. You're always there, and we love you. We're grateful that you made a way so that we could be connected to you every day. We could experience you and know that you're with us and know that you're guiding us and know that you're leading us. Lord, Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much. Maybe you're here today and you heard this message and you've never really connected with God like that and you want to. I'll just tell you, all it takes is a heart that says, God, I want more of you. Like Moses, God, I I know I've experienced parts of you, but I want more. I'm going to pursue you. Maybe you're here today and you know there's some areas in your life you need to get a little bit better at. Maybe you're not. You look at your life and say, I don't know that I'm really inviting God into the scene. Just make those changes. God, I'm not here to condemn you. This is not condemnation. Here's what God says to you today. Hey, I'm knocking. Just open the door and let me in. And I'll walk with you from here moving forward. And it will be amazing. So I want to encourage you today. Here's my encouragement to you today. Just invite God in. Let him in. Let him walk with you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've never made the decision to give your life to him and maybe take that first step of experiencing the benefits that come with being a child of God. That's you today. We'd love to pray with you. So I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this moment. These guys are going to be down here in the front and they would love to pray with you for anything going on in your life. Listen, at New Song Church, we pray for people. We love people. The Bible says where two or more gather together, he's there in our midst. And, and one could put a thousand to flight, but two could put ten thousand to flight. So we love to join our faith with people who are believing God for things. So whatever it may be, be it big, be it small, whatever it may be. Maybe you're here today and you want to ask Jesus in your heart. We want to, in a moment, the band is going to lead us in a song. We're going to all stand up. And if you need prayer for anything, no one's going to judge you at all. We'd love for you to come down and to pray with us. So if you would, would you stand with me? God, I pray for this church. I thank you for the people here today. I pray if there's anyone here that needs prayer in their life for any reason whatsoever, that you would draw them to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.